0: Fans, welcome into another week of dropping dimes. We are in the heart of the NBA Finals, two games down. Game three is tonight. There's a lot to discuss. Started the show up. There's already a question from Jake Cleveland before the program even started. We got people in the chat already. Uh, welcome, Jake, and everybody else watching. Um, so his question. Let's go ahead and just start there, I guess, since he was uh, preemptive and early on. Do you see anyone else making a case for Finals MVP uh, other than Curry? Well, right now Curry's the odds-on favorite, hands down. Um, so I've got notes to discuss the previous, you know, two games and what potential adjustments the teams maybe can make, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But part of those notes um is a section about the fact that curry is the best player on the court right now by a mile you know uh, brown and and tatum have their games with the consistency first off over the just it's two games the sample size is small but curry is showing up flat out he's prepared to play in these finals and he's the best player on the court. I mean, he's crushing the Celtics in the pick and roll. And they're running more pick and roll than they do usually. Uh, for the longest time, I and others have wanted to see the Warriors run more pick and roll. Hell, during the Curry and Durant years, I wanted them to run that nonstop. Because it's just like, what do you pick your poison here on two incredible shooters? But they can't stop him on the uh pick and roll um he's shooting forty five and a half percent from three so far through the first two games he's getting to the rim although in the last game he was missing layups just like the rest of the Warriors uh Wiggins missed some point blank layups uh, they just team wide in the first half they were having especially the first quarter they were having trouble converting at the rim but Curry's getting into the lane when he needs to he's still got his mid-range game going uh the floaters and nice pull-ups uh you know around the elbow and whatnot not as often used in his repertoire but still he's getting those uh spots when the defense is collapsing down on him give him like double and sometimes triple teams he's reading it correctly making a gorgeous pass. To an open teammate, his defense has actually been really good, especially on stuff like switching on to Tatum, which you think that would be a matchup the Celtics would exploit and and push for. Get the switch on to Curry, size mismatch, clearly favors Tatum. McCurry is jumping up on him, giving him tight defensive pressure, or um. When they're screening him, he's fighting over the screen, so you can't make the switch. Or he's blitzing out, letting the other defender recover, and then running back to his original guy. Um, But he's he's been somewhat menace on defense, and over two games. Once again, the sample size is two games. But he's been the best player on the court, the most consistent on both sides of the ball, especially offensively. As far as finals MVP, um, there was already the sentiment that if the Warriors won, unless Steph is terrible, he's going to win this award because he hasn't previously. And it feels like the one thing that his resume doesn't have that everybody agrees he should have. Uh, You can make the case that When Iggy got his finals MVP, Steph was more deserving. I understood the rationale of of Iguodala getting it uh, at the time. But you could look at it like uh, the same way that Mahomes got the Super Bowl MVP. It wasn't for that game. It was basically he got that vote for everything that led up to it. They wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for Mahomes. And there's no way we're celebrating a a Super Bowl without him. You know, if you plug and play and put somebody else in there, the Chiefs don't make that Super Bowl. And that first finals MVP that went to Igadala, I think the case could be made. A, Steph had a good finals. It wasn't like he had a bad finals. But B, you take him off this team. They don't make it. He is the catalyst and the engine of the team. So... If the Warriors win, as of right now, the only other Warrior that I think you can make a case for, even though the NBA.com put out their finals MVP odds and they put Jordan Poole in second. And uh, I think that's a stretch. Then they had Looney third. It's like, I, is this just basically awarding for the previous night's game? But I would have it as uh, Steph and then Draymond are your two most important Warriors and the two most deserving of Finals MVP thus far for the Warriors side. Uh, On the Celtics side, if they win, I I don't know. It really comes down to who closes out. Well, Jalen Brown, Derek White, or Al Horford would be game one, and game two in the loss, it'd be Tatum. But it's not like there's a lot of consistency. And after that game one, you saw a ton of people crowing about, I knew it. Celtics are just too much on both sides of the ball for the Warriors, and that can be true. I mean, the statistical models, the advanced analytics, and the betting sharps in Vegas all wildly favor the Celtics. All those big, you know, swaying advanced metrics go towards uh, the Celtics. They do, but do you really anticipate that game one situation happening again for the likes of Derek White and Hal Horford. Um it seems relatively Im- implausible. I mean, the twenty one points that White had in game one is the second highest point point total that he's had in the playoffs in his entirety. He had a twenty two point game against Miami. Otherwise, he's scored anywhere from zero points. To 14 points now. Horford's 26 is a little bit closer to what he's capable of. He's got one higher, he had a 30 point game against Milwaukee, but then he's also had a 22 point game, two 20 point games, two 16 point games. So he's been more consistent overall. So him going off for 26 entirely possible. If White doing it a second time in this series seems Highly unlikely. But the Celtics overall, I think, just had a more balanced attack. And, you know, Marcus Smart also had a good game. So you had four Celtics really step up, and then Tatum didn't shoot the ball well, but he was still getting guys involved. His assist numbers were really good. And so you take away from that as a Celtics fan, Well, our best player didn't have a good game, but our team is so good that everybody else stepped up in his place and played really well. And then in game two, it's like, oh, our best player plays well, and everybody else played pretty poorly. Jalen Brown started off hot as can be. I think he went five of six in the first quarter, and then he went one of 11 for the rest of the game. Like 0 of 6 in the second quarter, 1 of 5 in the third quarter, and then just played one minute and change, like 1 minute 15 seconds in the fourth. Basically, all the starters were pulled at that point. And then they put in the second units, and because the game was just over. The Warriors came out and just crushed them in the third quarter and ran it up to 23 points. I believe was the high water mark, and you're just like, all right, um, you know, Udoka threw in the towel and just said, all right, we're moving on. We're gonna we're gonna look forward to the next game. But right now, so it's tied one to one. But if you look at it by who's winning the preponderance of the quarters. The Warriors have won five. The Celtics have, and I would say technically, won three. But one of the quarters that the, the Celtics won was the fourth quarter of game two where both sides emptied out the end of their bench and put it out there. So that's not representative of the teams as a whole. So in reality, it's five to two in the Warriors' favor. And the Celtics need to make, you know, some adjustments. I think the first thing I would do if I were the Celtics is steal a page from the Cavs playbook. Whenever they played the Warriors, they rough Steph up so bad. You know, if you're going to run around screens, we're grabbing you and hooking your arm and making you fight and work Three, four times harder to get through all these screens. We're throwing elbows. We're playing dirty. And I'm not saying dirty in the, it's a shitty way to play. I'm saying dirty in that it's the finals. The refs aren't going to call everything as evidenced by Draymond getting a technical and knowing that it's going to take a lot for the refs to throw me out at this point. It's just, it's, it's understanding the mentality of all involved, how the game is going to be officiated. So there, Apprehensive, refs are, about blowing the whistle a bunch and making their presence the forefront of the game. Nobody wants to see a finals game where it's the refs dictating entirely the pace and the outcome. So in the finals, it means it's a rougher game. It means you're going to have to play through contact. You're going to have to suffer uh, getting those elbows, those holds, the grabs, just all the small little things that during a regular season game you'll get the foul call 80% of the time in the finals, it's just not going to happen. So if I'm the Celtics, I am going to force them, take these finesse players in curry, in pool, um wouldn't say that about Wiggins because he takes a lot of contact as he drives to the hoop. And I wouldn't exactly call clay finesse. He's somewhere in between a little bit at this point to me. Um, but Curry and Poole, I'm making them work. I'm making them work hard. I just think that is the first thing that I would do. I'd also Not worry about what Draymond is going to do. Draymond is going to go out of his way to try and get under your skin, to antagonize you, to draw you into pissing matches, and it's going to piss you off, and it's going to get you, instead of thinking about the game and the team as a whole, you're focused solely on Draymond, and if Draymond gets you to do that, Draymond wins. And the Warriors love it because the other team is now, the Celtics are so fixated upon, well, why is Draymond allowed to get away with this? Look at what Draymond's doing. Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. And it kind of gets them out of their rhythm and out of their game plan. I mean, he had, you know, Grant Williams all the way down to the coach, Doka, pissed off about what Draymond's doing. And if I'm green, I'm like that is precisely what I want. I want you focused on the least offensive threat, or the least potent offensive threat out here. Um, and on the if I'm the Warriors, something I said on last week's show, and I think maybe even the week before, one of the two, it's like that. Maybe we shouldn't play Clay until the second half. I mean, Clay just still doesn't look like Clay. You would hope that the closeout game against the Mavs and he finally goes off, gets the monkey off of his back, that it would have given him more of his normal shooting stroke and confidence coming into these finals. And... He has the confidence to take the shots, but what's weird is, you know, when you used to watch Kalei, you'd say to yourself, as he's going up, that's in. You just say he's squared up, or when he's running, like he is one of the best, if not the best player I've ever seen on just catch and shoot. Run around the screen, immediately catch, fire it up. It's been in his hand for less than a second. Fire it up. And, For most players, it's like, boy, you don't seem steady. And then you watch Clay, and your hips and shoulders are squared to the basket. No matter which direction he is moving, he manages to square perfectly uh, every time. And he would rise up and you're like, that's a good shot from Clay. He's barely touched that ball. I remember a couple where he he would catch the pass right around head uh, height and immediately just go into a shooting stroke. Because it's just he's already got the mechanics lined up. And now when you watch him, I feel bad for him because a shot goes in and he celebrates. Like you can tell he is just so happy to see the ball go in the damn hoop that he's sick of, of seeing it clang out. And the addition of Gary Payton in the last game really gave them a nice little defensive punch. And I'm curious as to whether or not we might see him replace Clay for even more minutes or a combination of him and like Otto Porter, uh, and relegate Clay more to the second unit. The only problem with that, with the second unit, is if you put him out there with Pool, they're gonna get cooked on defense. Clay's lateral movement with his feet just isn't as fast as it once was. And hopefully, fingers crossed for Clay, because who doesn't like Clay. With more conditioning and time, he can get back to an approximation of what he once was. But right now, the numbers bear out through the playoffs. When you have Clay and Poole playing with the second unit, defensively, they just can't hang with other teams. Now, the downside of putting GP out there is you are reducing the height of your team and the Celtics are a very long team. You know, the, their overall height and wingspans can clog passing lanes and they're still a menace on defense. Although they've had some weird defensive lapses so far, especially in game one and that first quarter when courage just went off all kinds of, of times where, They're not correct on their switches, and then suddenly they sagged off of Curry, who is wide open for a three, the deadliest three-point shooter in the history of the league, and there's nobody within three to five feet. Like That's a recipe for disaster, and he cooked them. Now, what saved Boston is, ultimately, nobody else could step up. And the Warriors have had... Numerous points of this. In the first half of the second game, while watching it, the Warriors looked like they were devolving into, once again, if Curry can't get a shot or create the offense, we have nobody out there right now that can really help in this situation. People looked passive and tentative. And I think some of that was what I brought up earlier, not being able to close uh, and finish at the rim. You know, Wiggins missed a couple layups. Uh, Curry missed a layup. They um, Curry missed a couple layups. Um, and just uncharacteristically, like, I understand missing every once and again, but they just couldn't get it at a point-blank range. And perhaps it was making guys gun-shy. But the only consistent player on both sides or for both teams so far has been Curry. There have been other people that are stepping up. That's why it's kind of dumbfounding that Jordan Poole is... Somehow, according to the NBA.com, second in finals MVP voting, it's like I he's had basically to me like one good quarter so far. How that enters you into this conversation is beyond me. I, I don't know. Um, But, you know, the consistency or the lack thereof from all the other Warriors players is... Concerning for the Warriors, and both sides are right now facing this. Getting the preponderance of their guys out there and comfortable. Um, it's only been two games, though. Uh, for the Celtics, I'd be a little bit concerned. Smart had a bad game in game two. Just a bad game. But my bigger concern is Rob uh, Rob Williams already looks a little tentative. And hesitant at times. And then in the third quarter, with like, what was it, seven and a half minutes left in the third, eight minutes left in the third, Smart rolled up onto Robert Williams' surgically repaired left knee. And Williams went down and crumpled over and was kind of holding that knee a little bit and got back up and played. But he was limping around for a little while and he already didn't look a hundred percent. So just exacerbating that injury ever so slightly, it's stuff like that that I think is, is really detrimental to the Celtics because if they have to get into their bench, they don't have the bench. The Warriors do now in the playoffs, your average coach really only goes seven players deep or so. Sometimes the rotation is eight current is an anomaly. I mean, you have your, your starters that have played thus far. Um, you know, your, your Dre clay, Steph, uh, Wiggins and Looney. Those are your starters. And then you got GP two back. You got Jordan pool. You got auto Porter. B played well in that last game. Um, so you're going more nine and potentially you know Kaminga and Moody would enter into this mix as well possibly Damian Lee but the warriors bench goes deeper and unlike most coaches Kerr is willing to be a little bit more flexible in these moments um and some people are raking him over the coals i've heard it described as Kerr getting cute with his rotations in the finals and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the the case, as evidenced by the fact that they've won the majority of the quarters. And I kind of, you know, he's a really good coach, so I'm going to trust in him. But on the flip side, if Robert Williams is hampered, if Adoka needs to get into his bench, well, Grant Williams is already going to play. But Tice is the main big backup, and uh, Tice is kind of limited. And then after we get past Tice, like unless you're talking about going to a small lineup where it's Pritchard or Neesmith, they don't have much beyond that that they're really gonna play. You know, you're gonna see some. If you're gonna shift away from Tice and go to a small ball, then you're gonna have to see some combination of Derek White or, uh, or Pritchard, or Smith. But Pritchard, you can he's going to get hunted on defense. And Nesmith is so up and down. You're going to get a good play from him, good to slash great play, followed by a mediocre to terrible play. And it's this ebb and flow with him. He'll do like two things back to back that are incredible. And then a third thing that is just boneheaded. Um, and he's a young guy. It's, it's to be expected, but the depth of the The Celtics, and given the health issues they've had in the late stages of the playoffs, it's one of the main factors why I like the Warriors better. They have more possible combinations if somebody goes down. Now, if Curry gets hurt, they're toast. But outside of that, they have more flexibility overall, whereas the Celtics, if the two guys that they've had health issues with uh, in the late-stage playoffs... In Smart and Williams. If those guys go down again. It's going to be really difficult. Because Derek White has played well defensively. Uh, matching up with Curry. But then. You're going to have to. You're going to have to allow. For one of these other guys to play longer minutes. In Pritchard, Neesmith, and Tice. And. You're sacrificing when you do it. You know Pritchard. He can do a little bit of playmaking. He's a good shooter. Um, but it's just shorter, and he's gonna get he's gonna get hunted on pick and rolls and switches. They are just gonna seek him out, like happened in the Miami series. And Tice is limited athletically, and I think Looney or Draymond or anybody else can cook him. Um so it, it it'll be interesting to see the adjustment they make there. Um, but I'll be curious if if Kerr does decide to ramp down Clay's minutes. I think that is the biggest question I have for the Warriors. you know, like I brought up earlier for the Celtics, it's you need to change some of the tactics that you're deploying here. I think first and foremost is rough him up a little bit, especially Curry. Make him work his ass off to get this. Um, but for the Warriors, it's how much longer do we run with clay? Now it's, it's one-to-one and you know, Right now, I would say momentum is slightly favoring the Warriors, but now we're going back to Boston for the next two games. Um, But the Warriors, all they need to do is win one game in Boston, and they've taken home court advantage back. And, you know, you never know in any series, but any finals. I mean, last year, Phoenix is up two to nothing. And people have already put the nails in the coffin of Milwaukee. And Milwaukee comes back and wins that series. And just out-physicals, out-hustles, and out-plays them. And there's been a general lethargy on both teams at times uh, where they've been passive and just kind of, you know, watching the, the game unfold in front of them. So you would expect... As the games progress, the intensity is actually going to ratchet up a little bit more and a tiny little bit more after that. Um, But we'll see. But yeah, the the Clay thing, does Kerr opt to sit Clay? Because, you know, his defense isn't as strong as it used to be. Clay... Clay was one of the best two-way players in the league for a number of years, and it was one of the main catalysts as to why the Warriors were so good. It's just like you've got a second shooting mate to pair alongside Steph, but also an excellent wing defender. So you don't have to sacrifice anything with a guy like that. He is the ultimate Daryl Morey 3 and D guy. He has these two skills. These two skills are elite. And it gives us a lot of flexibility as to who else we can put out on the court along with Curry when we have these two gentlemen out there. Um, One thing to look for tonight is there is... uh, Scott Foster is the lead ref tonight. And... You know, Scott Foster has a tendency to kind of put his imprint onto games, and some people conspiratorially believe that he will exercise the will of what the NBA and its advertising partners would want, and it's yeah, you know, it's network partners more so in the networks with the advertisers. But what would benefit? the league as a whole. um, You know, they, there are times they're not wrong. It does look suspicious. And there have been moments over the playoffs this year where it's like, boy, it really seems like the officiating is pushing for a specific outcome here. Um, But we'll see. I don't know what benefits the league more. And that's where I'd put my my money, if you could determine, ah, this is what Adam Silver and the other owners would prefer. Is it a Boston game three win and then force the onus on the Warriors to win one? Or is it basically we're mirroring, so Boston took game one on the road. Uh, so now the Warriors take game one on the road and puts them up 2-1. So then Boston wins the next game. It's 2-2. Two, two. And we have this back and forth, back and forth type of situation. Um, I don't know, but it's something to to monitor. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into the chat. Chat has been lively. We're thirty minutes in. I'll we'll see what everybody has to say. Jeremy Bowers says, "If Horford plays like he did in Game One, then maybe him." For finals MVP. I think that's in reference to Jake Cleveland. since He was the first in uh, Yuri McGarley says, hello, everyone. Hello, Yuri. Oh, Jake. Nice enough to say hello back. Riley Pangrass says maybe if pool gets hot now after that last game, but I think that's a stretch. I agree for finals MVP. No. I, I put him in the running for third best warrior so far, but even that I think it's like a Tie between him, Looney, Wiggins had a better game than him, game one, and has been a little bit more consistent overall. Though Pool had the higher watermark in game two. I don't know. Just the idea that he's somehow. If somebody wants to look up, see what the Vegas odds are right now uh, of all individuals, but how many ever you can get, one through the first, one through five, one through ten. I'd love to see it. Throw it in the chat if you want to do a Google search right now. I don't want to uh, to take the time to clickety clack and then and search around because it just makes for dead air and it's kind of boring. Um, so Jake Cleveland says, "I'm surprised the Warriors haven't used the elevator play more often." True, and if you don't don't know what that is, look it up. It did. Uh, there are great uh, explanations on YouTube as to numerous different sets that NBA teams run in general, uh like horns action or drag screens or or pin downs or whatever the case is. Uh but it, it could be a function of pick and rolls working a little bit better for them. So they're they're uh using that right now uh as the as a focal point in the offense or perhaps uh Kerr is holding on to that much like he did in previous rounds uh, on the defensive side where he had those games where out of nowhere, they're going to run a box and one and then three plays later switch it to a 2-3 and then a couple plays later switch it to a man and then from there they go to a 3-2 and just keeps the other offense guessing at all times. Maybe they're holding back a little bit from the playbook and getting the Celtics watching tape of what they've done in the previous games and not game planning for little wrinkles like that. Um. So Thomas Stimson says, what's going on guys series has been all right so far, need closer games and less runs from each teams. I mean, by and large first half of each game, we're going into halftime and it's, it's a dead heat between the two. It's not like anybody is out to a huge lead. Now fourth quarter in game one Celtics break it open third quarter in game two Warriors break it open. But I think as a whole, they've been better games than the conference finals. Cause the conference finals, it pretty much seemed consistently, Team A runs out to a double-digit lead in the first quarter and then keeps that double-digit lead the whole time and just never takes their foot off the, the other team's throat. where uh, at least this, they're trading buckets. One team goes up by four. Another one makes a three. Then the team that was previous up by four misses a bucket, and then the other team comes back, scores a two, and now they're up by one, and it's just this, oh, okay, the team is up by one runs that up to five, the team down by five, then cuts it and goes up by two. And just these back, the ebb and flow back and forth, Um, it's been a little bit more consistent, especially in the first half. And I think if that maintains, we have a greater chance of close games at the end and getting some of those massive highlight type of situations that you want in the finals where it comes down to the final close in couple minutes. minutes. Um, yeah. The Celtics just need to be able to stave off the Warriors third court onslaught third quarter, rather onslaught uh, which is something they've consistently done in the Kerr era for whatever reason. They make a couple slight adjustments and then suddenly they turn into a murderer's row. Not that they didn't have that already with the personnel. It's just, they've been holding back. Like, I don't, I don't know, but it's something that the Warriors have been consistently good about over the years. Halftime adjustments, third quarter come out guns blazing. And that's when they break the backs uh, of a lot of teams, especially in these, these big moments. Um, So Jake Cleveland asked a question. Yeah, something that I I brought up earlier. Do you think roughing up Curry is a good strategy considering he hasn't been as efficient at the free-throw line in these playoffs? Um, yeah, and no, I think in general, just getting him off his game and making him have to work even harder than he already does and slowing down that offense, you know, throwing a little bit of sand in the gears. So it doesn't run as smoothly. Um, not quite a wrench because if you throw a wrench in those gears, you're going to get called for a foul. So throw a little sand in there. Make it gritty. Get some dirt, some debris. Uh, something that the ref is not going to call. Like that's That would be a strategy to employ by the Celtics. And if this were a regular season game, you'd be like, ah, oh, what is this shit? That's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. But as the finals, you be like, dude, you got to earn this. This is what legacies are made of. Um, so Riley Pangrass says, um, oh, he asked about shortening the season. Um, if there's time at the end, we'll get to that, but we're going to stay on uh, finals talk. Um, but it's all right. We got some nice inner chat discussion going on about the shortening of the season. So that's awesome. I love seeing that. Um Well, quite a bit. Okay, Rashawn, Rashawn came in. Here are the finals MVP odds. Um, So Curry is the favorite at plus 100. Tatum plus 135. That's obvious. Of the two best players on the two teams are going to be the odds-on favorite, depending on whoever wins. You know, they're more than likely going to get it. Brown is plus 750. Horford is plus 4,000. Smart is plus 5,000. Wiggins is plus 5,000. Green is plus 8,000. Pool is 10,000. Clay is 10,000. Okay. So the NBA.com, I had not looked up to see what the odds are. And thank you, Rashawn. I appreciate that, um, which is to be understood. What's interesting is the second war you get is Wiggins. And I, yeah I would say he's been more consistent over two games than pool, but I would give it to green. Um, He doesn't put up the offensive numbers, but he does everything else. Just, I mean, watching it from that opening tip of getting the jump ball on Horford to watching him, Switch on defensive coverages, um, knowing when to be a help defender and knowing when to let the you know his teammate take a guy a one-on-one, um, rushing at people that are out on the three-point line and scaring the bejesus out of them. There was uh, one play in the third quarter right when they were building the momentum of that huge lead, and he ran out on Derek White, and Derek White put the ball in the deck to drive after a pump fake, but he kicked his foot out. And it was just kind of a mental error that he caused uh, Draymond, that is on Derek white in that moment. And you know, green was just a menace out on the court. And then you add in the psychological stuff that he's doing. He's got Grant Williams pissed off. He's got Tatum pissed off. He's got Ime pissed off. Um, so has all the Celtics thinking about him on top of he has just been a pest um yeah, he had that and one in the first half, uh when they really needed a bucket um but it's more so to me, the mentality that he brings to the team a guy you need somebody that's willing to do the dirty work when you have players. You know, like Curry, Clay, Poole, that are finesse players um, to get in there and muck things up and to kind of rove around and be a utility defender. If you need somebody on Tatum, not a problem. But if he has to switch onto Robert Williams, he can hold his own or, you know, he can, he's a chess piece that you can move around the board on defense. And the nice thing is, He is a floor general on both sides of the ball. Watching him get on the offensive side, the ball around the 15 to 18 uh, foot mark, and just kind of survey as you watch the beautiful choreography from the Warriors, zip around screens, back screens, uh, cuts, um, pin downs, Drag screens, whatever the case is, and Dre is just sitting there watching all the action unfold, and you just trust him. I love the when he gets into the little two man game with Curry. They just do this back and forth, especially when it's numerous pass handoffs and Curry just constantly cutting, back cutting, uh, you know, doing little loop three st- circles around defenders, and it's just him and Dre constantly passing the ball backwards and forwards where if it was two other players, you'd be like, what's up with the happy feet. Let's fucking do something here, guys. And you've watched them do it enough over the years and be like, no, they're just, they're waiting for the defense to make a mistake. And more often than not, they pick, they, they figure it out. Um, and then on the defensive side, calling out switches, knowing when to help, when not to, when to blitz, when to sag, um, it just really impressive to watch. I would have him as the second choice as odds favorite. Uh but thank you once again Rashad, I appreciate it cuz me doing this and then going through trying to find the right site and all that is boring as shit. Um Well, wow, this shortening of the season's really got a hell of a discussion. Um So Jake Cleveland asks, "Do you think it's a matter of time before Green gets ejected?" Well, on technical fouls alone, he's getting close to that anyway. Um, it's not quite there yet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. D- Green can definitely get ejected. He's straight Green, we're talking about here. Um, so I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I think. If there was a betting line for that, uh, you might want to look into that one because they would probably give you decent odds on it and uh, you put a small little chunk of change down. You make a little, probably uh, a nice return because it's Draymond and he's got to be the only player that I would say has even a remote shot of getting tossed. Everybody else is pretty calm, cool, and collected. You know, I guess maybe Grant Williams. But even that, as annoying as, as he seems, he also seems very respectful at times with the refs, where if if he gets animated or something, he'll go up and tell him afterwards, hey, my bad, type of thing. Um plus I don't think he is as comfortable and confident in his position as someone like Draymond is. Draymond knows his place in the hierarchy knows what he brings to the table and that he more than any other warrior a is prone to do it, but B will get a pass for that to some degree. Um. So Riley Pangrass. Yeah. Answers. I think the rest will try. Their best not to kick him out, but if he does get ejected, two technicals, uh, that will only put him one away from a suspension as well. Yeah, he's he's already skirting that line through the playoffs. Um, so JMB asked, do you think that time and in injuries will cause Steph to eventually have a precipitous drop, or will his shooting touch keep him pretty relevant until he finishes out his career? Well, it's like a... Short and season discussion. I guess we can get into that. uh, And then we'll close out with that. Um, I mean, it's not like it's a Westbrook situation. Westbrook, to me, is a slot receiver. That once he loses his burst of speed, because his other skills, his other shooting skills, aren't elite, um then he's going to be out of the league pretty quickly because I don't really see him willing to come off the bench and subvert his role and the expectations of what he feels he should be in this league. I just don't see him being a Carmelo Um, or anybody else that realizes my career has shifted into a different phase. I think Westbrook will always believe that he's Westbrook, and that's part of the reasons why what's made him such a great player over the years. Whereas Curry, it's not like it's elite speed. You know, it's he's never in these discussions like a Westbrook or a De'Aaron Fox or a handful of other guys where they will just blow past you, running down the corridor on drives or whatever the case is. So, I would assume given his skill set as a whole, he should have as long a career as he kind of wants. Especially now that the 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 game is so three-dependent. He can easily run around a couple screens and get you a nice three. Now, will he be a starter? Who knows? I mean, his size, I think, would be the biggest once he slows down a little bit um, and not having that escapability at all times. But, you know, at his current age, he's playing some of his best best basketball that he's ever played. And it's not like he's, you know, some spring chicken. He's 34 years old and he's currently playing some amazing basketball. So if Chris Paul can maintain through these years, I don't foresee why Steph can't. And 34 now, I could see Steph playing another four to six years. And at this level, who knows? Another two, three? Like, you're just going to have to watch it. Um, So, uh, so Jay Cleveland says, it's pretty clear the Celts miss Gordon Hayward. I, I mean... Hayward's going to be hurt and now you've instead of using those resources as far as development and cap space they've been now misallocated on a guy who can't stay on the court do they miss somebody like him sure who wouldn't uh just in that if we had somebody who was 100% healthy and could do the things he does yeah but Hayward couldn't stay on the court or can't um So Rashawn Robinson said, are you for sports gambling in California? It already exists here. I have numerous friends since I've lived in California that, that have had bookies. So if you want to gamble, you can gamble. And we live close enough to Vegas. If you really want to go gamble, like there's already a boatload of casinos by me on all the different reservations around here. There's a, Probably within two hours, there's like five casinos. So if it's an issue of worrying about people degenerating into just the worst aspects of what they are, the sports gambling that already exists, and they can go do it if they want to. So yeah, I, I, I'm all I'm, I'm fine with it if people want it because it it's already here. So might as well take it out of the shadows and put it into the light. But even that, I know plenty of people that just use apps online and uh, still betting on games. So uh, JMB says, I remember Steph breaking Chris Paul's ankles though. uh, Well, if you're talking about the game in Staples Center, uh, I was at that one actually. It was a good game. And that was a great moment. The whole crowd going, oh, even though it's a Clippers home game. It was pretty impressive. Um, All right. And then Tamor Khan coming in late him. Uh, It's been a minute, sir. How are you? Um, But there we go. I think, uh, oh, Jake Cleveland says, just joking about Hayward. Uh, (laughs) Um, I think that's it for today. I still like the Warriors to win this series. Um, but the updated odds, uh, still maintaining that the public money may be with the warriors, but the sharps in the advanced analytics are still with the Celtics. So we'll see which one wins out. I just, any kind of health issue happens to the Celtics where certain guys have to, uh, ramp down their minutes. that's, that's my biggest fear for them. That and the consistency of the two J's. um, Think get both those guys to go off in one game more than once. Let's say they have two of those, well, that's going to be difficult for the Warriors to overcome. Um, although it inevitably should happen at least once in this finals. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I know I've uh, enjoyed uh, the first two games. I can't wait to watch uh, tonight's. Um, I'm literally recording something, and as soon as I finish recording, the game will be starting. And I'm just we could be sitting on my laptop for about five hours straight tonight, but who gives a shit? I'm here for it. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully the series is still going and we're not doing a post-mortem. Next time I see you guys, uh, it is possible. So if this is the last one before the finals are over, well, thank you to everybody that came along for the ride. I will do a post-season recap show if that's the case, but, uh, Fingers crossed, we've got still games to go uh, by the next ICU, which means it's an excellent series at that point. But uh, I think that's it for this week's Drop and Dimes. Um, You can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Subscribe to the channel, like the vid, leave a comment, do whatever you're going to do. I'd appreciate it, but stay safe out there. I'll see you guys next week with another new Drop and Dimes Uh, Until then, adios.